1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
2: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Bridgestone Weather Peak. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash tirerackcom The way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class. And 2% cash rewards on what you need What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, John Middlecoff, 3 out Podcast, Memorial Day weekend. I actually just found that out today. I didn't even know. Shows you that I have no life. Uh, But it it is a great weekend, three-day weekend probably for many of you. Good time to drink some beers, hang out, enjoy the sun. Wherever you're living, hopefully the sun's coming out. Sun's out where I'm living. Uh, But, you know, I thought I might as well do one. I, I have a couple couple topics, a couple takes, a couple thoughts. Uh, I went to Niner practice the other day, and it got me thinking about the way some of these rookies are integrated into the systems. Obviously, the practice I was at, Nick Bosa went down, but uh, Josh Allen's already been hurt. and Williams is hurt. Josh Jacobs is hurt. You got a lot of these high, high picks that are getting injured, and I think I have somewhat of a solution slash just an idea that can avoid it. Julian Edelman re-signs with the Patriots, of course he does, absolute legend, get it guy, and some thoughts on that, and then like always, Middlecoff mailbag, at John Middlecoff is my handle, Instagram, I said defense, direct messages, wide open, just come slide right in and I'll answer your questions, we're going to do a big Middlecoff mailbag, uh, kind of Q&A at the end of this podcast, but I wanted to start with this. And I say this all the time in the NBA because I think the NBA media is always like, you gotta sign the max, you gotta sign the max. And today with the NBA uh, All NBA first and second team have impacts on the max contracts. And a guy can go from like 150 million to 180 million to 200 million. It has ramifications where you land. And last year, famously, Chris Paul took every penny, even though he was a diminishing player. He was a player that needed help, took every penny. And in the NBA, it's a little different than the NFL. Like Chris Paul, when he signed his $160 million contract last year, was already worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But I say this all the time in the NFL, especially when it comes to good players, that taking a little less when you're a multi-millionaire, I never give you that much credit for doing it. Like, I'm not giving Julian Edelman that much credit. Historically, he's taken a lot of less to stay with the... uh, With the New England Patriots. To me, he's just a get-it guy. He's self-aware. He understands the big picture. People all the time, all over America, and I say this all the time, take less for various reasons. And when I say take less or decide not to take a job that may pay a little more, I'm not talking in the millions of dollars. The average American salary is $50,000. So let's just say someone that's making $90,000 has the opportunity to take a job that's worth $130,000. But where they live, maybe their parents live in that town, which acts as a babysitter. Maybe they like the schools their kid goes to, and they turn down the job. It happens all the time all over America for tiny, tiny amounts of money. So when players show some big picture awareness to take a little less money because they're in a great situation, like I got news for you, in football, in basketball, who you're playing with, who your coach is, who your teammates are, affect your success. And when you're introduced, and I was thinking about this for Julian Edelman. I I just checked. He's never been to a Pro Bowl. He is going to be an absolute lifetime legend, not just in the NFL community because he's a three-time champion, and he's going to be in position to win another one in these next couple years because he plays for the Patriots, but he's a made man in Boston. He will be paid the rest of his life to do deals with car dealerships, to speaking engagements, for whatever. He will have his earning potential in the, I was going to say the state, but the city of Boston, uh, the state of Massachusetts, which, you know, is Patriot country, he set, and he got that. And I I see it, again, you see it more in the the NBA. The NFL's tough, because I I do understand, like, when you get your one big deal, you have to take it. But to me, when you have options, like if you may have to take a million or two less, and I'm talking about a guy making six, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars, if you got to take a little haircut to stay in a good situation, especially with a team that's going to win, those have big picture ramifications on your life. Like Brent Jones, who would be my example around this area. Now it's a little different. He was a pro bowler like three times over. He was a really good player in the early 90s for the 49ers teams. But he was never like it's clearly Belichick, Brady, and then there and then probably Gronk. And then there's a group of the Brewskis, the Vrabels, the Edelmans, the McCordys, guys like that, Vinatari's. They're all kind of lumped in a group. Well, I, I live in Northern California. I've lived here most of my life. And there's Montana, there's Rice, there's Lott, and there's Young. And then there's kind of a group of all these other guys. I think Brent Jones is a great example. But I know this. Brent Jones has gone on to a very lucrative career in business in the Bay Area. Everywhere he goes, he's introduced as three-time Super Bowl champion Brent Jones. End of story. Obviously, if you're a great player, you're introduced as four-time Super Bowl champion Joe Montana. Like, what do they introduce? Like, who's a player in the NFL that has just taken a ton of money? I'm trying to think of an example. Like, we'd like to welcome, awesome player, put up a ton of stats, got drafted really high, made a ton of money, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson. Right? I think that's how you're introduced. When Julian Edelman, for the rest of his life, not just in Boston, that's where he's going to make his most money, but wherever he is, maybe he's speaking to some company in Phoenix, I'd like to welcome three-time champion Julian Edelman. That's the end. That's it. End of story. And Julian Edelman is going to be, he's already a millionaire, and through this contract, he's going to make more money, but he's never been to a Pro Bowl He's who cares? He's never led the league in, in catches. He's never led the league in yards. I know this. He's had a chance. He's had Super Bowl winning catches. He's made su- multiple Super Bowl winning plays. When I see him, I think of one thing: champion. I'd like to. Wel- I'd like you to meet. Please welcome. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a good example here. Uh, Four time Pro Bowler. He made over three hundred million or two hundred million dollars in the NFL. Josh Norman, like who wants to hear that guy talk? I would much rather hear uh, Super Bowl champion Richard Sherman. Like when you're a winner in, in this country, it resonates with you forever, and nothing more than in football. And I get football is a team game, and if you're not a quarterback, you have less control. But Julian Edelman, like a lot of people all over the country, know he has a really good situation. Could he make more money if he demanded a trade or ever hit free agency? 100%. But uh, Colin said this for forever, and it's something that always resonated to me when I started listening to them, That There's not like a happy happier. Like you get to a point, like it doesn't get any better than that. And I give Edelman a lot of qu- credit for being self-aware, for understanding how great he has it, for understanding how special what he's involved in. I, I see it firsthand with the Warriors. They're just get it guys. They prioritize one thing, and that's winning. So when you when Clay Thompson, when he's fifty years old, is speaking at some big deal in the city, they'll introduce him, assuming they win this year, and trust me, they will. I'd like to welcome. You don't talk about how many All Star appearances he made, or how many Team USA teams he made, or how much money he made. You simply say, I'd like to welcome four time champion Clay Thompson. And the entire room perks up. Like, I, I got news for you. No one wants to hear Carmelo Anthony talk. I, I'd like to welcome, he's made $385 million in his career. Carmelo Anthony! <laughs> like, uh, I'd like to welcome, he, he was franchise tagged twice and then he got three years of guaranteed money. He made the playoffs one time in his career. Kirk Cousins! Like, no, I, I'm sorry. I'd rather introduce a Super Bowl champion. I'd rather be a Super Bowl champion. And if that meant taking a little bit less money so i get more money on the back end so I could be remembered a legend, I I have nothing but respect for Julian Edelman, and I'm glad that he's staying on the Patriots. Okay, well, I went to 49er practice. When would that have been? On Tuesday. Tuesday or Wednesday. I think it was Tuesday. it was Tuesday. And during that practice, I mean, a pretty big... About 20 minutes in, I had worked my way over... Because I'm watching practice, because the first thing whenever you go to one of these OTAs, you watch the quarterbacks. And for the Niners, kind of a big deal, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back, who looks fantastic. I mean, he looks really good. But Jimmy looks good in these. The question is not like, Jimmy looks good. It's can Jimmy stay healthy? He's played 10 games been hurt twice. I've said on record many, many times, I I believe in Jimmy. I I mean, I think he's a locked top 10 guy. And I think he has the ability to get near the top five. But he's got to stay on the field. And that's something he struggled at. And then it hit me after just watching Jimmy throw passes to the equipment guy. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Niners have a number two overall pick. So I worked my way across the field, and I say it all the time. These practices, I mean, for NFL level, it's so easy for these guys. And you work your way over. You know, I, I go by the DBs, Richard's just kind of hanging. Uh, and Richard's a hard worker. I'm not trying to, like, say he's not doing anything, but he's just, just kind of it's a chill environment. And I make my way to the defensive lineman. And the Niners have, you know, Buckner and Armstead are massive. And then I I see D Ford, who's, you know, a smaller, slenderer, just speed rusher. And I go, oh, there's Nick Bosa. And I've been on record many times that I would have gone with Quinn and Williams uh, over Nick Bosa. Just because I thought his upside was higher. And again, people in the league have told me over and over they loved him. I know the Niners clearly love him. I don't think they they definitely, because they've told me, don't agree with my take on Quinn Williams. But, you know, we can agree to disagree. But then about probably 15 minutes into practice, of it's kind of like an individual drill. So, like, the warm-ups and everything have already happened. They're just doing get-offs with defensive linemen. And there are, they place, like, two or three defensive linemen as the offensive linemen to kind of simulate it. They basically tape, like, one kick step. And then the guy, the defensive lineman, reacts and after one rep, one rep might have been two, but I only saw one rep from Bosa. And, again, he looked fine. All of a sudden, he kind of grabs at his shorts. I'm like, God, ah, something's weird here. And then he doesn't do anything the rest of practice. He's limping around. At one point in time, he was probably like five or six feet away from me. I, and listen, if you've listened to this show long enough, I, I'm not very compassionate human in general, unless you're like my family member. I felt generally bad for the guy. Because he had that look on his face like, Jesus Christ. Like, how in God's green earth is this happening to me right now? I got hurt in high school. I got hurt last year. And now I'm hurt literally 15 minutes into my first NFL practice with the team. I know they had rookie minicamp before. But the entire team's here. And I'm hurt. And you could just see it on his face. Like, oh, like how is this happening to me? And he felt for him. But I also kind of look around and I go, John, Kyle, you know, you signed up for this. This is the risk it takes. But then, in fairness to Bosa, Quinn Williams is hurt. Josh Allen is hurt. Josh Jacobs with the Raiders is hurt. And I, I can't remember where I heard this. I I was gonna say I heard or read it somewhere. Probably didn't read it anywhere because I, I listen to more things than I read. Not a you know not proud of that. Should read more. Uh, and I'm very pro reading. I just don't read enough. But I, I someone said it, and an NFL podcast or somewhere that Sean, Mc, Sean McVeigh, and I think there's a couple other teams, I don't think the Patriots do much, don't really have a rookie minicamp. Like, they don't go on the field for rookie minicamp. Because, especially the first-rounders, but I, I think it's true for a lot of the high-round draft picks, basically, once the combine ends, and you're kind of your pro day ends, and if you had a good combine, you don't do anything at your pro day, you're not doing anything up until the draft. So, you go about... Two months of just traveling around, not really working out, eating a lot, not in great football shape, while everyone on the team, you know, veteran players, second, third, fourth year players, just everyone on the team is just doing normal workouts. They're either working out on their own, like the Divas, Le'Veon and Antonio in that group, or like majority of guys, <coughs> they're at the facility training and they are, you know, just getting ready for OTAs with phase one and phase two with the strength coach. So their body, they're slowly acclimating to football stuff. Well, the rookies are kind of like, all of a sudden Nick Bosa is just lined up right next to D. Ford and DeForest Buckner, and they're asked to go full go. It's not really a fair fight if you think about it. You got one guy that's out of shape. Like, no wonder a lot of these rookies get hurt. Now, again, I'm not trying to defend Nick Bosa getting hurt. He gets hurt way too much for my liking. But my point is, like, what other business, you know, if you just hire a guy out of college, even if you're a high level like Wall Street or Google, and you're paying the guy a ton of money, in normal life, that'd be like 500K to like a 23-year-old. You don't ask him to be, you know, go to the biggest meeting of the year his second day in the office. Now, I'm not saying OTAs are necessarily the biggest meeting of the year, but it is football speed that this guy's trying to replicate, especially if you have a player in a position where another player at his position on that same team is a really good player. He's looking at D Ford. He's looking at DeForest Buckner. He's trying to match those guys' speed and their play tempo. And boom, his hamstring pulls. And boom, Josh Allen's hurt. Boom, Quentin Williams hurt. I I think, would it be nuts to maybe your first OTA or first couple OTAs and not have your rookies do anything? I I know it sounds kind of crazy, besides maybe like quarterbacks and kickers and punters. Maybe just have those guys working on the side with the strength staff, and you could eliminate all the potential injuries. This is something that I just kind of thought about, especially when I heard that McVeigh did it. And obviously, I wouldn't even have a rookie minicamp uh, maybe beside like, maybe have like a tryout camp with the tryout guys, but the risk of getting these guys hurt for meaningless practices, especially when a lot of these guys just aren't really in shape and because they're, you know, some elite athletes in our country and they're 20, 21, 22, they look good. You know, when you're, when I walked by Nick Bose, I went, damn, this guy looks pretty good. Like when I walked by Debo Samuel, who looks pretty sweet by the way, I go, oh damn, this guy looks sweet. They they all do. Josh Allen, all the rookies, you know, this is the NFL. A lot of the guys, besides like Kyler Murray, who's a midget, are going to look awesome. You walk by Nikhil Harry, you go, geez, Luis, guy looks like a badass. But I think a lot of these guys aren't ready physically to just hit the ground running, especially because, you know, like, I I, I think Richard Sherman is a good example, but he's the high, high end. Richard doesn't have anything to prove. He knows what he has to do to get ready. But I think a lot of veteran players, guys that have established themselves as like starters, they're they're not trying to you know prove to the entire organization how great they are day one. But I think we all can relate. Anytime you've been a young person in a situation when you first get hired and you're working around new people, it's just human nature. Especially in speaking for males, where you just try to prove yourself way too fast. And I'm actually the more I thought about it. It's kind of crazy there haven't been more young young guys getting hurt. When you factor in again that they were flying around the country not doing that much and then just seeing the tempo at practice, even though the practices are relatively easy, you still hold yourself next to the other guy at your position that has just been training with the team and it's risky and it and, it, and it's avoidable. You know, it's like in every other business, you kind of slowly work employees into it. Now I would imagine that Kyle Shanahan or whoever would say, we're slowly working into it inside the meetings. We're not throwing the whole playbook. That's fine. But we all know, and anyone that's been to a football practice at any level, once you get on that field, and I felt the intensity with the coaches, they just coach like it's a normal practice because you're just a coach. You just put on your whistle, you put on your hat, and you're just coaching full speed. And, and players... They, they're kind of the same. They just, unless you're a super veteran guy that's a super made man, that's why Richard's not a great example. Any young player is still trying to prove themselves. Like, I, I'm out of practice, and this guy has a lot to prove, but Solomon Thomas was flying around like his hair was on fire. He has to. And that means a lot of young guys doing that. I think it's really risky, and props to Sean McVay for kind of being on the forefront of realizing because the moment you get out on the field, you can't help yourself. And I remember as a scout, you want to see everyone go full go. I know the coaches do, and I and the players do too. You almost have to hold them back from themselves. And I, I think some of these teams, especially when you have an injury-prone, you know, high pick, you probably got to be careful. Let, let's, you know, crawl, then walk, then run, instead of just day one try to go full sprint. Again, I'm not saying literally go full sprint. Well, actually the offensive and defensive linemen about halfway through practice just went to the other field and just did gassers, you know, just to get in shape. By then, Bosa had already been hurt. He just watched. So it's like, God, now my guy's not being in good shape relative to these guys, and he's injured. It's a double whammy. So some of these teams got to start thinking outside the box. Allstate wants
0: to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside.
2: They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip.
1: Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table.
2: Made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Well, I just, great part about doing a podcast, you can, like, kind of start and stop. The basketball game was getting tight, so I just had to press pause, watch the end of the basketball game for about the last 30 minutes uh, before we got to the Middlecoff mailbag. There are some great, I mean, Aaron Rodgers could not chug a beer. Bakhtiari slammed two. He's sitting next to Christian Yelich, the MVP for the Brewers. He then slammed one. Then there's a video going viral of Matt Stafford who looks like he's at dinner with some friends, and they have the Bucks game on in the past. He's making fun of Rodgers and slams beer. He slams a big beer. Uh, I've never been a great beer slammer, so I can't totally talk shit about Rodgers not being able to slam the beer. Though, I can always slam a beer, it just takes me a little longer. Like I would say Bakhtiari is on the elite end of beer slamming. Stafford was pretty impressive too. But you have to finish the beer once you start it if you're Rodgers. And Rodgers, I mean, got through half. Now, if it's like an IPA, something really thick, I get it. But I would imagine it's like, it's, I mean, they're in Milwaukee. It's probably like Miller Light. You, you got to finish that bad boy. Uh, not the greatest night for for Rodgers. But, uh, you know, it's really watching the NBA LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Paul—those guys love showing you how much wine they drink. You, you think that resonates with the masses? Uh, you know, last time I checked, majority of at least men I know aren't drinking wine. I know this; everyone can relate to slamming beers. Uh, you know, as my metabolism has slowed, I'd have to go. I'd had to like turn to vodka soda a little bit more than beer. But you know, if you're having a good time, you got a game. You know, you can drink some beers. Back back to Ari. Has put on a performance so far of these playoffs. He's had back-to-back home games where he slammed a couple beers. It was a week ago, maybe a little longer than that, where the 49ers offensive linemen, they waterboarded McGlinchey with his jersey over his mouth and they poured two beers and he drank it. I'm actually working. Hopefully, I get McGlinchey on this podcast. I'm trying to. I think he'd be a pretty good interview. But let's get to the Middlecoff mailbag, something we do on this show and. Uh, Answer questions. At John Middlecoff is my Instagram handle. Slide in and I answer question. Hey, man, listen to your podcast when I'm in class and it's gotten me through some very, very boring classes. I'm jealous. I wish I would have had podcasts when I went to school because especially with the AirPods, you put one in your ear. Especially if you sit in the back, teacher would never know. I'd just be listening to uh, to my favorite podcast. My que- Here's my question. If Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, there might it, that might be the biggest if in the NFL. How far do you think the Niners get, and how good do you think Jimmy will be? If you tell me that Jimmy Garoppolo plays 16 games, I'll say the Niners win 9 or 10 games and compete for a wild card. Uh, I think it's that simple. I think he's that good. Uh, And I think most people in the NFL will tell you when he's playing, he's a really, really good player. Especially now he's had basically a year and a half. You know, he's had parts of two seasons ago. Then he had all of last season. And then he was hurt, so he got to mentally learn. And then this entire offseason to really learn Kyle Shanahan's offense. And to me, the biggest thing with Jimmy is he's got to take big steps. I have an article. Well, I guess if you're listening to this, it's Friday. I wrote in The Athletic. To me, the biggest area for growth for Jimmy is mentally, being smart. Think about this. He's been injured twice. Both outside the pocket. And his game is a little bit like Rodgers and Russell Wilson. He scrambles and moves behind the line of scrimmage to ultimately throw. He's not necessarily like a a Kaepernick type, Mariota. I don't even know if Mariota runs. I'm trying to think of a runner. You know, Lamar Jackson, a guy that looks to run. He's really kind of like a. If he ever becomes a superstar, like I think he has the talent to be. I think his game would be a little Rodgers like. Again, I'm not, I mean, Rogers is a Hall of Famer, and I'm not saying that he'll ever be that good. But my point is their playing styles are somewhat similar. It's why Rogers has been banged up a lot. He moves a lot behind the pocket. He kind of freelances. So does Jimmy, and that's what makes him great. Well, last year against the Chiefs, when he tore his ACL, how did he tear his ACL? He wasn't inside the pocket, because a lot of the major injuries inside the pocket are kind of fluky and random. The injuries outside the pocket, if you think about it, that's where Jimmy's were, the Kansas City one. And I think it was against Miami was when he was in New England. Well, if you're outside the pocket, there's not an offensive lineman in front of you. And a defender, especially if it's a middle linebacker or safety, or even a defensive like an end, they're running full speed. You know, like three, four, eight yards of getting just a full head of steam. When a defensive lineman hits you inside the pocket, even if it's like Khalil Mack or Aaron Donald, They've had to go through an offensive lineman that impedes their path a little bit. But if I'm on outside the pocket and the middle linebacker, you know, Bobby Wagner or, you know, Earl Thomas or whoever is chasing me, he's just chasing me, you know? He's just in a full sprint. So I think Jimmy's really got to get more careful outside the pocket. That, That, to me, is the key. What do you think about Iowa offensive linemen and Iowa tight ends? You can make an argument that Iowa is tight end university right now. I would agree. You got Kittle, then you got the two first-round picks this year. Obviously, Hawkinson went in the top 10. Noah Fant went 20. That's pretty, I mean, think about that. You got George Kittle, who once, you know, it probably goes Gronk, Kelsey. He's right up there. You know, you could say Ertz. He's different than Kelsey and Ertz because Kittle is a badass blocker. Now, Ertz and Kelsey are probably more consistent catching, especially intermediate and short. But Kittle, I mean, Kittle's got a chance to be a really, really good player, so I, I see that. And besides Riley Reif, uh from the Vikings, isn't Riley Reef? I guess is he on the Vikings now? I thought he was on the Packers, but I might have to Google that one. Uh, they don't have many bus of linemen gallery, uh, and they have two potential first round draft picks coming up next year. They're sometimes considered a fake team in college football. I don't think that. I think when you've heard before, like Colin Coward ripping them, and I don't even think he was ripping them. I think his point was pretty valid. They just don't have the team speed. Let's say they win that conference, which it's going to be hard for them, or it was with Urban and even with Harbaugh. They're not going to have the speed once you match up with an LSU, with a Georgia, with an Oklahoma. Uh, Remember when Stanford played them and McCaffrey looked like Walter Payton. It's just it's more of a team speed. They have NFL players. They have a coach that's... You ask anyone in the in the NFL, Belichick, Andy Reid, Pete Carroll, whoever, they love Kirk Ferentz. I mean, I, I worked for Pat Hill that was his assistant when they were in Cleveland together for Belichick, swore by him. I mean, Kirk Ferentz is a high-level, high-level coach. And it's why I always support when people make fun of him when he gets those contracts. He's turned Iowa into an NFL factory. Now, it's still hard to be like, there is a difference for Iowa than just Michigan, Ohio State, and even Penn State. You you could argue that Ohio, Iowa is basically Wisconsin minus 20% <laughs> cuz Wisconsin consistently gets a little bit better athlete, you know at the skill position, but I think similar get good linemen, get good tight ends, get kind of the overachiever quarterback, you know that will be selling insurance by the time he's 24, 25. Uh, it's why I won It's why, think about this. The one time Wisconsin had a sweet NFL quarterback, what happened? They went to the Rose Bowl. <laughs> they just dominated. They, they won the conference. They went to the Rose Bowl, Russell Wilson. And, I mean, hell, Iowa. I was out of practice the other day with the Niners, like C.J. Bethard, probably one of the better Iowa co- uh, quarterbacks in the last 10 years. Well, I go out of practice. Nick Mullen's already taken second team reps. So, yeah, I mean, I was a tight end, a lineman, you. I like that. Hey, John, diehard Packers fan here. What are your thoughts on the running back Aaron Jones? I think he's an under-the-rated player that this year will break out since he'll be available for all the games and his head coach who loves to pound the rock. I'll be honest, because I don't want to sound like I'm just making shit up. I don't know that much about Aaron Jones. Besides hearing Packer fans complain a lot that McCarthy wasn't playing him enough, I heard somewhere that Rodgers likes him a lot. Uh, well, you just look at Lafleur, what he comes from. Obviously, in uh, just coming from Tennessee, huge factor in the run with Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. His his base with McVay and that system, they love running the ball. Uh, if Aaron Jones, who should be their starting running back, yeah, should have a major role. But I have it feels like I've been hearing about Aaron Jones and fantasy leagues for a couple years now, and it's been some to be left. Some was there to be desired, right? But I do think it's fair to say you go in open-minded. You have a coach that wants to run the ball. You, you got to balance out your offense a little bit more. I'm just fascinated to see what their offense is going to look like. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, I'd be bullish on Aaron Jones too. But, again, I, I can't pretend to like have some scouting report. I don't know him that well as a player. I was wondering, with the Pats losing Gronk, have they done enough this offseason to replace his production? They've upgraded at receiver, but haven't done much with tight end. Well, I, I think you can look at it like this. I love Sony Michelle. They drafted Sony Michelle in the first round. His season was kind of hit or miss during the year. But then he was freaking awesome in the playoffs. I think he ran it for over 400 yards in three playoff games. Four or five touchdowns. I think it's fair to say that one of the breakout players in the NFL this year that you look up, you know, at the end of December, and you go, "Damn, Sony Michelle has 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns." Like to me, when's the last time the Patriots had a true bell cow running back? One, they they would Bill Belichick drafts a running back in the first round. That was kind of crazy when he did that. I think he gets forgotten. Like Sony is not just some mid round guy that they found a diamond. Sony is a first round blue chipper from Georgia who dominated in the playoffs. So I, I would say, yeah, it's just what are they going to do to replace Gronk? And I the more I thought about it, because Andre Iguodala the other day said that Steph and Clay were the black version of Brady and Gronk. And then I started thinking, well, if they are the black version of Brady and Gronk, if you remove Draymond from the Warriors, that's a pretty big deal. And it just got me thinking, like, losing Gronk, who has clearly, over this last six or seven year Patriot second dynasty, has been their second best player. I mean, and I know at different points in times, he's kind of been a shell of himself. But that is a pretty big loss. So I think they're going to depend heavily on Sony, which I'm I confident is going to have a good year. And they're going to need a lot out of Nikhil Harry. You know, when's the last time they had a rookie wide receiver do a lot? Now, they don't draft that many rookie wide receivers, but... I, and I'm a big Nikhil Harry guy, but he's got to give him, I think, safe to say 60 to 70 catches and six or seven touchdowns. Which, if you if I told you right now, if you were a Pats fan, Nikhil Harry catches 68 balls, seven touchdowns, and 950 yards. You'd be like, that's a pretty good year. <laughs> you know, right? Assuming Edelman's good, assuming they find some tight end to go with Benjamin Watson, and Sony rushes for, you know, over 1,000 yards, and Brady's Brady. And their defense is going to be good. I mean, they've added pieces of defense. I think the defense is going to be even better than it was last year, and it was good. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere,
0: like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with
2: Amex. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. At thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative, Bold flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because, like most 16 year old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers, I need to tint out the windows. at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. How come everyone is always attributing the Patriots' success to their ability to be multiple in their schemes and different looks that they throw out at you on offense and defense? How come the league hasn't caught up similar to how the NBA caught up to three-point shooting? Well, one, I think part of most good offenses are multidimensional. You know, like when you look at the... let's. I think the Rams, the Rams are pretty one-dimensional. You know, their scheme is pretty basic. I think the multi-dimensional offenses would be the Saints and the Chiefs beside the Patriots. They can do a lot. Like on any given game, you don't know what's going to hit you. Like anything could hit you. They could run the ball down your throat. They could force feed tight ends. They could throw it to wide receivers. They could do a little bit of everything. I wouldn't call – I would say a lot of the really, really good offenses – in the NFL, and those are the two that jumped to my mind. A couple of years ago, the Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith. Most of the good offenses are are multidimensional. I think the reason not a lot of defenses are multidimensional because the Patriots had the best defensive coordinator in the NFL, in, in Belichick. So most of these coordinators, you know, they they just fall back on their base defense, which is either a 3-4, 4-3. Like, that's what they feel comfortable doing. I mean, how many coaches beside Belichick can really just run... Like, what is the Patriots' defense? I honestly don't know. I mean, h- how would you describe it? Their base is whoever their opponent is that weekend? Which n- no other team in the NFL can say that. I'll, I actually give this guy credit. I think they've changed a lot, and maybe it's because of their personnel, is the Rams and Wade Phillips. Like, they're they're basically a hybrid 3-4, 4-3. I mean, they they do a good job. Uh, Wade Phillips has done a good job. But Wade Phillips, also 70-plus years old, and has been in the league for 40 years. So it takes, defense, I think it's really hard to find a great offensive coach that knows quarterbacks, but you can find offensive coaches. You know, I mean, there are only Sean Payton, Andy Reid, even like Kyle and McVay, like you're going to see this year, a lot of these guys hired as head coaches are going to fail. But there are better offensive coaches than there are better defensive coaches. Like how many, beside Belichick, name me five really good defensive coaches. Pete Carroll. Fangio, I mean the list is short. Uh, Gus Bradley, well, yeah, I'll give Gus. You know, it's I'm telling you, it's it, it's difficult. I'm probably Zimmer. I, pro- I probably left a couple guys out, but there. If you you notice a couple of those guys that I named, Zimmer's in his sixties. Pete Carroll's in his sixties. If you count Mirinelli, he's old. You know, Gus is basically just copying what Pete did. So, it just, it's, there are a lot more seasoned offensive coaches, right? Like, think, Andy's been in the league 25 years. Sean Payton feels like he's been in the league forever. The the couple top offensive guys have really been around a long time. And then even the young guys, if you use McVay and Kyle, let's call it what it is, they're pretty unique. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's dad is one of the best offensive minds in NFL history, and Mike Shanahan, so he... His, I mean, that's literally his father. I've been at Niner practice, and you just walk by, you're like, hey, Mike, this is Mike Shanahan. And Sean McVay has been around football all of his life with his dad or his grandpa, you know, was the uh, one of the main parts of the 49er dynasty as the GM. And then he started coaching the moment he quit playing at 22. To me, that's a huge benefit. So, yeah, Sean McVay's my age, 33, 34 years old. But he's been coaching for 11 years in the NFL. His first year in the NFL was like 08. So he's been, you know, even at 33 years old, every year of his professional life has been in the NFL. Kind of like Belichick. Belichick has been in the league, like he didn't go to college at all, right to the NFL, 75. And he's been in the league ever since. Huge huge Eagles fans here. And it comes with pessimism. But do you think the Eagles have done enough during the offseason to bolster the secondary to make a legitimate Super Bowl run to compete? At the juggernaut offenses in the league, well, I've talked to a couple people about this over the offseason. Their secondary on paper is not good. You know, Sidney Jones a good player? I don't know. I you know, so far you'd have to probably lean no. Malcolm Jenkins probably their best DB is holding out because he wants a new contract. Who's their other corner? I guess they re-signed Darby who injured his knee. I, I think what they tell you is we're gonna our front seven is gonna dominate. We're gonna kick your ass up front, especially our defensive line. And we're going to win by scoring a lot of points and sacking the quarterback. Because that that, that formula works. I, I think the Chiefs did it last year. You, I, I think, honestly, here, you want to hear a hot take from Middlecoff on a Thursday night? I think secondary talent in the secondary in 2019 is a little overrated. Would you rather have a lockdown secondary? One, they don't exist. Or a dominant defensive line? Because if you give me a dominant defensive line, look at the top three teams in sacks last year. Chiefs, playoffs. Ravens, playoffs. Uh, Steelers, missed the playoffs on the last weekend of the season. And if it wasn't for the craziest things happening like the history of their franchise, they're a playoff team. So if you can dominate up front, and this is like the best case scenario for the 49ers, just walking by their defensive line group, their DBs aren't very good. But they're going to hopefully have, you know, three double-digit sack guys. You know, and be, you know, to me a good season sack-wise is in the mid-40s. And then on top of that, a bunch of pressure. Because if you got three if you got two or three guys as double digit sack guys, that means you can't double team the rest. So that means the randoms make plays. It's really kind of what the Eagles held their hat on when they won the Super Bowl. Like when you have backups like Chris Long, who can give you a five or six sacks, that means your double digit sack guys, it feels like their twelve sacks are like eighteen. So to me, the key is dominating up front. Uh Love the different angles. Very glad I found you. Thanks, Thomas. What is the insight on why teams just straight up release players instead of trying to gain some compensation in a trade? Example, Bucks with Gerald McCoy. Or the Suns when they acquired Austin Rivers. I'm guessing terms of players' contract plays a part. Yeah, I, I think I, I the Austin Rivers one might have just been bad, uh might have just been a bad personnel decision. The McCoy one's pretty simple. No one was trading for thirteen million dollars. Because if you trade for him, here's the thing: when you get a vested veteran, I'm not exactly Johnny Cap, uh, manager, salary cap manager here, but a guy like Gerald McCoy, I think his salary cap hit is 13 million dollars, and I, I don't know, I don't have his contract up. But his base salary is relatively high. Well, if you trade for him, you're basically acknowledging he's probably going to make your team. Well, if he makes your team, his salary is then guaranteed. So, if You'd rather just, yeah, they're probably going to release him. Then I can try to sign him. And if he really is shot, I can cut him no big deal. And I don't feel obligated to keep him. So I I think that plays... I think the contract more in the NFL, whenever you see a good player cut, or even just an aging, older player that's still really... You know, still talented. Like, Gerald McCoy's still talented. Cut. It is one million percent the contract. It really is crazy as it sounds... It's nothing, it's the the talent, unless it's like, you know, like someone would trade for Aaron Donald or Khalil Mack right now. You know, their contract wouldn't hinder their ability or Julio Jones or whoever, you know, Odell Beckham. Like, young players for sure. But older players, I think teams simply look at, I'm not going to risk trading for an older player that might be shot who makes an astronomical amount of money. So that's where these guys with these, Big contracts can kind of get themselves in a position where, God, no one's messing with them. Because it is kind of crazy. Like, damn, they just... No one traded for him. Now, half the teams in the league run a base 3-4, give or take. He's only a 4-3 defensive lineman. So, did he officially sign with the Browns? I I don't know. Maybe he's meeting with the Browns. I think I read today, tomorrow, as of Friday. Wouldn't shock me if he signs there. But I would imagine some teams still might pay him a decent chunk of change. And this is also why... When people crush like the Chris Ballards or whoever, why don't you spend more money? Well, you might have an extra million or two to pay a guy like this if you want him. I'm not saying he wants Gerald McCoy, but he would be in position to pay him if he did. So it, it always behooves you in the NFL to have some cap space available. How challenging is the Bills route to a wildcard berth and a realistic goal for 2019? I'd say it's pretty challenging. Uh... I mean it's all going to it's all going to hinge on Josh Allen. Does Josh Allen become a guy that can throw 30 touchdowns and throw 58 60% completion percentage or is he struggling to throw for 20 touchdowns? And they're just so reliant on their defense. To me, to me either him or Sam Darnold, one of the two guys, I don't know which, and I'm rooting for them both. I follow them both on Instagram. I, I they seem like awesome guys. Like you'd like to be friends with them and hang out with them. Big fan of them both. And I didn't like Josh Allen as a player. Still not in love with the player. But I'll be honest, I've grown to like the guy a lot. I'm rooting for him. Uh, I I hope I'm wrong on that. But I I just, you know, they signed a couple midget wide receivers. You know, their head coach is a really good defensive coach, but he doesn't really know anything about offense. They got Dable, the dude from Alabama, who's, you know, got a little too much meathead for me. I, I don't know. I just, I'm rooting for the Bills. I actually would probably rather see the Bills be good than the Jets. But I'd probably lean the J- the Jets are more likely. Because here's the one thing. I do feel confident about this. This is like a confident wishy-washy take. I'm confident that either the Bills or the Jets make a wild card this year. I just don't know which one. Like, to me, if the Bills do it, it's pretty clear. Like, Josh Allen is a star, might be strong, but has one of those years. Like, this guy's going to be a star. And I think we all think Sam Darnold's going to be pretty good. So if, if they do it, he's really good probably a little bit easier because his head coach is a quarterback guy and their defense is gonna be better with Greg Williams they got Le'Veon Bell I'd probably lean the Jets but I'm kind of sneaky rooting for the for the Bills I know you've mentioned Ryan Grickson in the past working with him at the Eagles why was he so bad as a GM I just don't think he had a great feel for players like he just I mean the thing i always remember he put a second round grade on Vaughn Miller Now, listen, some opinions differ on players, but there are certain players in every draft where you go, like, there shouldn't have been anyone in your draft room that goes, you know what, Saquon Barkley, I don't think he's very good. I mean, that was kind of his take on Von Miller. I was like, eh, just, I don't know, I don't see it. Like, it just, some players, like, yeah, everyone sees it, you know? This guy is just elite. (laughs) He's He's just one of those guys. And it's just hard to explain. I just don't think he was ever very good scout, and it proved out. You know, bully. You know, was he always the nicest guy to people? And again, bosses, there's just a cross a line of being a boss, like intimidating. And to me, it's one thing to kind of rule with an iron fist if you have a track record, but when you're not very good at your job and people don't really respect you, can you be the asshole in the room? I, I don't know. And seeing Lewis Riddick articulate everything so well in terms of the game and player evaluation on TV the last couple of years, why isn't he considered the Jets for the Jets opening? Listen, I've said over and over. I've been around Howie, uh, Andy, Veach. I mean, these guys are some of the best in their field. And I always thought Lewis was right up there with them, as intelligent of as human as you'll meet, let alone football. And then he eat breeze and sleeps it. I mean, if if Lewis got the opportunity to be a GM, he'd be You'd have a chance. Now, there is some randomness, you know, who his coach would be, all that stuff. I don't know. But I do know this. Lewis knows what he's talking about. You know, it's, you can't be on television long enough without kind of getting exposed if you don't. Like, Lewis knows his shit. And he, Lewis loves it. I mean, he just eats, breathes, and sleeps. And he gets it. You know, he just kind of understands the team building, the coaching aspect, the scheme aspect. Now, I didn't always agree with him on players, but again, that's kind of natural. You're going to butthead and differ on players. Like, one thing that I kind of hung my hat on in evaluation, I don't get as caught up if the guy has the physical attributes at certain things that he struggles at. Because I would just look at it as a scout going, well, I just wouldn't want him to do that. We wouldn't ask him to do that. Or if our scheme dictated that he do that, we, w- we wouldn't mess with him. you know. And that's, I don't get as caught up with guys with certain mistakes that maybe some, the coaches do. You know, I probably differ a lot with coaches on players. I mean, sometimes. But, you know, Lewis is good. I mean, Lewis is a smart SOB, man. Can you comment on whether or not you think the CFL is still producing any NFL-level talent? When I was in the NFL, it produced a couple guys every year. Uh, We brought in a guy. I think he ended up signing with with the Saints. Tom Johnson actually turned out to be a pretty good player. I tried to get this one guy from BC, but he ended up staying in BC. He was a good player, too. I, I, You know, I think it's just kind of random. You know, it just depends on who's in their league. Uh, I think they're producing about the same as they always have. I also think one thing that's hurt the CFL a little bit, this is just on the fly, actually, it just crossed my mind, the 90-man rosters. So there was a huge, you know, at the end of training camp, when you went from 80 to 53, there's an extra now 20 guys that kind of rotates in and out of practice squads that would have been immediately in the CFL. So maybe they actually are thinking about it getting a little less NFL talent uh, just because the rosters have been expanded in the off season In CFL, Like, would you rather take your chance at a training camp, even if you are like the 85th guy, or go to the CFL? Well, if you're 23 or 24 years old and from America, you're going to take your chance in training camp. So the Canadian Football League, you have to commit, like, right now. Well, if you're in an OTA, you're not going to leave the OTA, even if you are one of the last men on the roster to go to the CFL. It's just because you'll just be telling yourself, especially if you're from Alabama or Baylor or USC, I'm going to make this team once the pads come on. So I, I I think the 90-man roster, thinking about it now, has hurt the, hurt the CFL a little bit. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. John Middlecoff, 3NOW Podcast. Tell all your friends, have a good weekend. Don't drink too much. Uh, Don't have too much fun. I love Memorial Day, even though I didn't even realize it was Memorial Day. Peace. Godspeed. Adios. (laughs)
1: Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. On now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. Pick up, pick up. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.